0: Getting close to the end of the Pickards being here with us. Two more Sundays. That's not good, but uh, we sure appreciate them. Keith was actually born here in 1993, 30 years ago, when his parents were attending here, members here. And uh, he stayed here until he was seven years old. So, Keith, we're expecting you to send Titus to be our new preacher here in 25 years. Okay? He'll be 27 and it'll be just fine with us, okay? And then you have to come here and hear him. So that's great. But if you are visiting with us, uh, like it was mentioned earlier, take out one of those cards in front of you haven't and fill that out and give it to me on the way back. And we just appreciate your being here. Um, I don't know if you heard about this preacher that was needing a lawnmower. And he was driving along and he saw this lawnmower, there's a sign there for sale, this old lawnmower. But he thought, well, I'll stop and find out about that and he stopped and talked to the gentleman there and and uh he said you know you're selling the lawnmower and i'm needing one and th- does it start he said well try it and so the preacher pulled on that rope and he pulled on that rope and pulled on that rope and he's kind of getting out of breath and the old man said well sometimes you just got to swear at it and it'll start and the preacher said i am a preacher and i've i haven't cursed in 18 years and the old man said, well, just keep pulling on it. It'll come back to you. <laughs> so, uh, you know, when we're new Christians, uh, we struggle. We still struggle, even if you've been in Christ uh, many years. Uh, like uh, Jeremy said, this life is a struggle for Christians. Just because we're in Christ doesn't mean we're perfect, certainly. And, uh, but we're striving to be like Jesus, and we're growing. Uh, hopefully I'm... Closer to Jesus today than I was when I was first baptized. Uh, Down in Brazil, uh, we had uh, a lot of new Christians, people that weren't raised in the faith. And so we had a lot of interesting incidents. And I've told you about the the boys at camp when we were playing soccer and I had to stop the game and everything because they were just being over the top, rough with each other. And I said, you know, look, guys, we're Christians and we can't play like that. And they go, no, 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 you don't understand. Soccer is soccer, and Christianity is Christianity. <laughs> they don't want to mix those things up, <laughs> you know. So that's just kind of a, a new twist on that. And, and I remember another time, uh, this lady uh, had just just stepped took one step outside the door of the church building, and she said to me, "Now I'm not in the church. I can say what I want." She started off ranting on something, and but she was mistaken. The church isn't the building, and as Christians, we need to. Uh, bathe our language in such a way that it blesses people and not hurts them. So there's a lot of things. One, one, I was trying to work with the new preachers there, the new guys I was training to be preachers, and uh, they're pretty young still in the faith and, and talked about illustrations and whatnot. And, of course, back then we didn't have PowerPoint. And so uh, one of the young men was preaching on uh, the evils of the tongue. And he said, if you keep gossiping and telling lies your tongue's going to be like this. And he pulled out a raw cow's tongue here from back behind the pulpit. And everybody, all everybody, shocked. And, oh, no. So things like that, you know, kind of stick with you. They just happen. So uh, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And we're going to see that the book of Corinthians was written to a brand-new baby church. Paul had been there for about 18 months. And now he's writing back... uh, to help the Christians. The Christians had written him wanting to know some answers to things because even though he taught them and was there for 18 months, he, uh, uh, there was still a lot of things they need to learn and, and to be reminded of. And so Paul's writing this letter and uh, wh- I want you to know that this is probably the most immature, most messed up church I've ever heard about in my life, in the Bible or in real life, whatever, but... Uh, we'll we'll mention a few of their problems here, but the first thing I want you to notice is, in verse 2, Paul writes, he says, to the church, he's writing this letter, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. So, even though this church... It's got a lot of problems. Highland Heights is the best church I've ever been in. It's fabulous. But we still have problems because we have people. But this church beats them all. They were so messed up. And let me share with you some of the problems that they had. But he still, remember, writing to the church of God. So you might get a disillusion with the church. Maybe somebody will say something or do something you don't like. Just forgive them and move on. Jesus did. Can you imagine losing your salvation because somebody made a mistake? Or just giving up on your spiritual family of 30 years because somebody did something or said something you didn't like? No, we, we, we've got to have the spirit of Christ. So Paul's writing to Corinth here. So in the first four chapters, he's talking about all the divisions. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's sad to have divisions in the church. Of all people, Christians should be united. You know, everybody has an opinion about something. You ask, what color should we paint this? Or what time should we meet? Or what kind of, no matter what subject is, everybody has an opinion. You look at everybody's house, it's different. You know, if everybody had the same opinion I had, they'd want to have married Becky. (laughs) And I'm glad they didn't. But even though they made a mistake, you know, that's... (laughs) So... But they were divided here. And, 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 and one thing was they were kind of lining themselves up behind certain Bible teachers. There was Paul himself and Apollos and, and, and Peter and different ones and kind of divided up into camps. And there was just some were trying to show maybe I'm more spiritual than you. And, and so Paul says, this just can't be. And uh, so in verse, uh, uh, chapter 3, then he says that who is Paul, uh, verse 5? Let's, let's go back up to verse 3. Or, for you are still in the flesh, for while there is jealousy and strife among you, you are not of the flesh, behaving only in a human way. So if you have divisions, you're not being spiritual, you're being carnal, verse 4. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? That's just carnal. That's not spiritual. Verse 5. What then is Apollos, and what is Paul? They're just servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. So God uses people to, to, to lead us to Christ, to teach us, but no matter who they are, they're just servants. They're sinners like all of us. And so uh, verse 6, Paul writes, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, God's building. So he's he's trying to to tell them, look, what kind of influence will the church have if we're divided? And Christendom, unfortunately, is so divided, and and that just can't be. Well, in chapter, then beginning in in chapter 5, we have a situation that's just almost unspeakable. We had, there was a man there that was having a relationship with his father's wife. And made it, what made it worse was the church there was kind of proud of their open-mindedness. They kind of were, you know, kind of like, they were just proud of, Oh, we're you know, hey, that's his business kind of thing. Paul says, no, that's not even done among the, the Gentiles. The people, do, the pagan people don't even do stuff like that. And you've got to take care of that now and, and expel that man from the fellowship of the church. Then in chapter 6, Paul writes to him because there's brothers suing one another in the court of law. taking We don't know what the, the problem was, but they were going to court with one another. And Paul says, what kind of an example is that for the world to see Christians fighting and taking one another uh, to court? And he says, you know, is there nobody in the church that can help you settle this problem? And and even if, he said, it's best to, to suffer loss uh, as a Christian, just, just suffer loss than to do something like that, to, to, to drag the name of the church, to drag the name of Christ through the mud in the public like that. And so uh, you may win that lawsuit, but what's going to be your relationship with that person after that lawsuit? Then in chapter 7, uh, Paul writes to them, they ask about... Uh, Marriage and you know, would it be better or more spiritual not to get married and things? And he says, Well, look, because there's so much immorality, every man should have his wife, every woman should have her husband. The husband doesn't belong to himself but to his wife, the wife doesn't belong to herself but to the husband. And then he goes and talks about the widows and how uh, they should act and, and so forth. But then, chapters eight and 10, he talks about meats that are offered to idols, which kind of strange in our culture, but. Uh, back then, it was very serious. In other parts of the world today, it still is. Uh, but he's saying, look, we know there's no other gods. If this meat, you know, just, just eat it and don't say anything. Now, if it's going to cause us, st- worse, you're eating it at somebody's house, it's going to be a problem, then don't eat it. You know, you'll be a, don't be a stumbling block. But we know that, that God created all things, and if we thank him for what we eat before we eat, then, you know, it's, it's ours to eat. In chapter 9... <clears throat> Paul made a a quick break there because some people in the church were challenging the authority of an apostle of God. Can you believe that? In the church of Christ, somebody was challenging Paul's inspired authority. Well, he takes care of that. Then chapter 11 comes along, the first part of chapter 11. Uh, it's, it's, It's really about submission. It talks about head coverings, and that's kind of a cultural thing back in those days, the head covering was a sign of submission, probably equivalent to what we would maybe say a wedding ring today. Like if, uh, you know, you know Becky and I are having some struggles in our relationship, and then all of a sudden you see Becky's not wearing a a wedding ring, or F.H. is not wearing a wedding ring, and say, whoa, what's going on? Well, the Bible doesn't say that we have to wear wedding rings or head covering, you know, but in our culture, that's a sign of commitment, uh, submission to one another, and so uh, that's why he's addressing their, uh, those, those problems there. Now, in chapters 12 and 13 and 14, Paul is talking about miraculous gifts. Now, we have spiritual gifts today, but we don't have miraculous gifts. And the reason why we don't have those is because God gave those to the church uh, until the, the Word was being written, inspired words being written and delivered to all men. And so, miraculously, people were able to preach or even perform miracles so that people knew what what they were preaching was from God and just not something they made up. But the church in Corinth had more miraculous gifts than any church we read about in the New Testament. Actually, after chapter 14, we really don't hear anything about the miraculous gifts anymore. But what was going on, these people were so carnal and uh, that they were kind of uh, thinking, well, I'm better than you because my spiritual gift is more important. Can you believe that God blessed them with a miraculous gift to, to be serving one another, to help the church? And they're, they're using it to kind of try to up one another over that. And he says, no, in chapter 13, love is what's most important. All these gifts, he says, these miraculous gifts are going to be done away with. It's going to come a time. We won't have these. And we see even by the end of the New Testament, the, those miraculous gifts, people, Paul had to 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 send a prescription uh, to Timothy and to uh, Trophimus. Uh, He had uh, to leave him sick back in in Miletus. And so already in the end of the New Testament, those miraculous gifts were being done away with. But he's saying, look, the most important is love, and that's not going to be done away with. Now in chapter 15, uh, Paul addresses false doctrine in this church. There were actually some people that were saying that there is no resurrection of the dead. It's like, what? If there's no resurrection of the dead, our faith is in vain. Christ didn't rise from the dead. And he explains that there is and proves that and shares that and and whatnot. But my whole point is that this church had a lot of problems. And so Paul is not excusing the problems. When he calls them the church of God, he's not saying these don't matter. He's writing to correct these problems, okay? So he wants them to grow. He wants them to get things right. But well, one thing I want to talk about this morning, uh, briefly is open your Bible to chapter 11 of first Corinthians. I want to talk a little bit about, uh, the Lord's supper. Now here we practice the Lord's supper every first day of the week, like the example we see in the Bible. We just did this earlier. I appreciate, uh, Jeremy, what you had to say. It was a blessing to us. Uh, certainly Abraham was faith, but he didn't have to sacrifice his son, but God did. And so, uh, I was asked uh, this week about, uh, about the Lord's Supper. So I want to share with you uh, four truths about uh, the Lord's Supper. The first is that Jesus commanded us to do it. In 1 Corinthians 11:24, Jesus said, "Do this in remembrance of me." Uh, number two, we find that Christians practice it on the first day of the week. First of all, in Acts chapter 2, uh, at the end of that chapter, after the church began, the Bible says that they uh, persisted in the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the apostles' doctrine. Then Acts chapter 20, verse 7, it says, on, Paul, on the first day of the week, they gathered together to break bread. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 11, five times he talks about when you come together, he's talking about breaking bread or, or, or participating in the Lord's Supper. And then in 1 Corinthians 16, uh, the, the, Paul t- says that when you come together to break bread then take up a collection at that time, the first day of the week. So uh, that's when Christians, for centuries and centuries, have practiced uh, or, or partaken of the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, okay? Because that's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, we realize that over the last 500 years, some churches have come into existence and some have started taking it maybe once a quarter or even once a year. Uh, I read uh, where um, this, this one church... They said, well, the reason we don't uh, take it every first day of the week because people will kind of get so used to it, it won't be so meaningful to them. But look at that logic. Imagine if we would not have preaching. We're just going to have preaching once a quarter. People are like, well, that doesn't make sense. We'll just sing once a quarter. No. As a matter of fact, the more you partake of the Lord's Supper, the more precious it becomes to you. It's like when you read your Bible and you get into it. Well, the Lord's Supper has so much meaning for it. To me, we could, we could even spend more time here uh, elaborating on the importance of the, the Lord's Supper. And number three, uh, we need to partake of the Lord's Supper each week because it's at that time we reexamine ourselves and say... You know, what do I need to change? Where am I falling down? Lord, help me with this. Lord, forgive me with this. Rededicate yourself. typically after our, our sermon or after we'll have a song and it's called the song of encouragement and we'll encourage somebody to come forward if they're not a christian they want to become a christian or if they are but they they need to repent of sins they want the church to pray for whatever so it's a rededication but you don't have to do that if it's something between just you and god you can just pray during the lord's supper as you as you go to partake it lord forgive me of this sin and uh bless me and, and help me to change and and just to So we need to partake of the Lord's Supper every week. And number four, the world needs it. Because when we partake of the Lord's Supper, we're proclaiming the Lord's death. We're proclaiming the gospel. The children need to hear it. People that are not Christians need to hear it. And we need to be reminded of it. If you want to come to Jesus, if you want to come to Jesus so you can come to his table... uh, And how, you might ask, how do you come to Jesus? How do you become a Christian? Actually, the Lord's Supper doesn't mean anything if you're not putting Jesus first, if you're not a Christian. So, six things here. First of all, you need to hear the Word of God because faith comes by hearing the Word. Secondly, you need to believe that Jesus is God. Now, the Bible teaches that we're saved by grace through faith, okay? Faith is what God uh, expects from us. But if you have faith... You'll repent of not putting God first in your life. And you'll confess publicly your faith in Jesus. And you'll want to be baptized, to be one with Him. Because at that moment, your sins are forgiven. And you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, if you have faith, you'll walk faithfully in the light of God's Word. That's how you come to Jesus. So the Lord's Supper is truly meaningful uh, for you each week. Let's stand and sing.